Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 20 through 25. Let us listen for the word of the Lord. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. He was the one who had reclined next to Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about him? Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Follow me. So the rumor spread in the community that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is testifying to these things and has written them. And we know that his testimony is true. But there are also many other things that Jesus did. If every one of them were written down, I suppose the whole world itself could not contain the books that would be written. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today, we are beginning a new sermon series entitled, There's Someone I'd Like You to Meet. Over the next nine weeks, you will hear about different characters from the Bible and why they matter. Each one is unique in their own way, and each one has something to teach us and to show us about God and ourselves. So this week, like Hannah said earlier, I would like to start us off with a bit of a mystery. And who doesn't love a good mystery? Our first character is the beloved disciple you heard mentioned in our scripture passage. And it's a bit of a mystery because after two centuries of modern exegesis, as well as what I did last week, which could have solved it, but didn't, there is still no dominant theory as to who this person is. Scholars today are just as divided as ever over the question of who the beloved disciple might be. So I thought it would be interesting for us to start off our cast of characters with this mysterious disciple. So let's begin by going back for a minute, back into the Gospel of John to see where this character first shows up. And for sanity's sake, I am going to use the pronoun he to refer to the beloved disciple. Although to be clear, that doesn't mean that we should conclude that this person was a male or that they couldn't be a female. In fact, it would really be most meaningful if I interchanged he and she throughout our entire discussion. But for the sake of clarity and this sermon making any sense, 
we will just stick with he for now. So the first time we are introduced to this beloved disciple is in John chapter 13. And it's important to note that none of the other epistles mention the beloved disciple. He doesn't show up anywhere else in the New Testament. So the only place we come across this person is in the Gospel of John. And that should be our first clue that to the author, this person is really significant. It's a person that no one else has mentioned in the rest of the scripture. And yet the author of John spends a good deal of time making sure that we notice him. So he's introduced in chapter 13, verse 23, as one of his disciples whom Jesus loved, who was reclining next to Jesus at the Last Supper, and who Peter urges to ask Jesus who is going to be the person who betrays Jesus. As the gospel story continues, we next see the beloved disciple at the crucifixion. He is the only one of Jesus' disciples at the cross with the women. Peter and the other disciples have disappeared when Jesus was arrested, but whoever this person was did not run. In fact, as Jesus was on the cross, he entrusted his mother to this beloved disciple who takes her into his own home. And he remains at the cross until Jesus has died. He witnesses the soldier thrusting a spear into Jesus' side in chapter 19. So whoever he is, he is with Jesus throughout all of the events that led to his death. Next, on Easter morning in chapter 20, the beloved disciple and Peter race to the tomb after Mary has come to tell them the good news of the resurrection. And even though Peter gets there first, our mystery disciple is the first to come to faith that Jesus has risen. Then just before our scripture reading this morning, in chapter 21, Jesus appears to the disciples one morning as they're fishing. And the beloved disciple was the first one to recognize him all the way on the shoreline. And he says to Peter, it's the Lord. And the disciples return to shore excited and they have breakfast with the risen Christ. These are the places that we encounter this mysterious beloved disciple. And I don't know if you all picked up on this, but if you study those verses closely, you'll notice this kind of competition going on between this character and Peter the whole time. And in each instance, the beloved disciple keeps getting it right where Peter struggles. The disciple stays by Jesus' side, never denying him, being the first to believe in the risen Christ and the first to recognize him from a distance. His faith never wavers, and he never stops following, no matter what the risk to his personal self. All while Peter runs and hides and denies Jesus. 
So whoever this person is, they always seem to have a one-up on Peter every step of the way. The beloved disciple's faith seems so steadfast, so great, he almost appears too good to be true. It's hard to not compare ourselves to that person. And I bet it was for Peter as well. So who is this person? Well, you can figure there are a lot of theories out there. Some believe it could be Lazarus, Jesus' good friend, whom we are told in Scripture that Jesus loved. And we know that Jesus wept over him and brought him back to life. But that distinction of being loved is not unique to Lazarus because Mary and Martha were also described as being loved by Jesus. So Lazarus is a good candidate because he was certainly close to Jesus in his ministry. Others believe that the beloved disciple could be the Samaritan woman at the well. After meeting Jesus, remember, she goes out in her new faith in Christ and brings the whole town to encounter him. She is a model of discipleship and lives her faith out loud in a time that did not always want women to speak up. Another theory is that it could be Mary Magdalene. One scholar argues this idea because she embodies the meaning of discipleship as loving belief so powerful that it places her at the foot of the cross, brings her to the empty tomb, converts her to recognition of that Jesus which she loves in the risen one, and makes her able to accept and fulfill his commission to announce the gospel of the resurrection. So Mary is also a great candidate. The list goes on. We could be here all day, but don't worry, we won't. There's arguments that have been made across the centuries that it could be Nathaniel, it could be Thomas, it could be this unnamed royal official Gentile in John who believes in the word of Jesus without ever having seen any of the signs. In other words, there are many people that could be the beloved disciple. And perhaps it takes us examining all of them to realize it takes them all to give us a better full picture of the ideal that this beloved disciple represents. You see, my favorite theory, and the one that I believe holds the most power for us, is that the beloved disciple is not one specific person at all but instead a literary device that is meant to represent a whole community of individuals together. Author Sandra Schneiders lays out this hypothesis in her book, Written That You Might Believe, Encountering Jesus in the Fourth Gospel. She proposes that the beloved disciple is neither a pure literary symbol nor a single historical individual. 
The beloved disciple in the text is a kind of prism that refracts the ideal of discipleship into a number of different characters, each of whom realizes the paradigm by unfolding or acting out critical features of discipleship. The beloved disciple is neither a pure idea or just a single person, but a community of equals, each of whom is called to become the beloved disciple. Schneiders believes that many of the characters we meet in John, like the Samaritan woman, like Nathaniel and Mary Magdalene, all corporately help us, the reader, realize the identity of this beloved disciple. Through each of their stories, we come to know what it takes to faithfully follow Jesus. Together, they show us the ideals of discipleship and what all followers of Christ should strive towards. Schneider goes on in her conclusion to say, it really cannot be the case that there was or is one disciple whom Jesus loves more than all of the others or even to the exclusion of the others. In fact, the gospel never tells us that this is the disciple Jesus preferred or this was Jesus' favorite disciple or this was the only disciple Jesus loved. We are told this is the disciple that Jesus loved. An epithet that fills all believers who manifest certain qualifications during the lifetime of Jesus and throughout the ages. So this beloved disciple is not only the characters we meet in the Gospel of John, but it's also you and I all of us as a community together. It's a character not limited to the pages of the good news in the Bible. It's also all of us as we live out the good news in the world around us. Look at how the Gospel of John ends. Verse 25 says, But there are also many other things that Jesus did. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. The author of John here is trying to say that Jesus cannot be contained in a book or in all the books in the world for that matter. In the words of scholar N.T. Wright, it would be like trying to play a wonderful symphony on a broken piano. It would be like trying to serve a gourmet meal at a snack bar. It would be like God's breath inside of an ordinary human being. It would be like light shining in the darkness and the darkness being unable to master it. Wright continues, The ultimate point is this. Once the word has become flesh, all the books in the world can't do it justice. Nothing less than flesh can now do justice to the meaning of the word. Your flesh, my flesh, 
Jesus' disciples are sent into the world, not just in the first century, but in every generation. So really, this first character in our sermon series is you. As well as the person sitting next to you, as well as those in our community who may not be gathered here with us today, all of us are called to be this beloved disciple because the word of God has indeed been made flesh in Jesus Christ and nothing less than our flesh can live that word into the world. And you all living out your faith creates that character in the world. And you do this every single day. Every time I make a pastoral care visit, the person I see tells me that they have been so moved by cards and phone calls that they receive from you all constantly. That is you being the beloved disciple. When children need extra food in their backpacks on the weekends and over the summer break when school's not meeting, and you all fill up pantry shelves with donations for the backpack program, you are being the beloved disciple. When you serve on committees that discern our ministry together, when you serve as ushers, you are being the beloved disciple. When you show up for worship here or at home and you gather together, you are being the beloved disciple. When you choose kindness and love over hatred and selfishness with every single person you encounter, you are the beloved disciple in the world. Our lives are the gospel continued, continuing the work of God's kingdom in the world. We are the next chapter. We are the characters that make up the beloved disciple here and now. How will your life continue this story, continue this character? As we continue this worship series and these characters we meet teach us and inform us and transform us, I hope that you will remember that you also have the power to transform the lives of everyone you encounter with your words, with your actions, with your very presence. Please pray with me. Holy God, we love you. Help us to love you more. Amen.